0: You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. The series that I started uh, two weeks ago titled It. And the reason that we gave this series the title is because there are a lot of it's in our life that we deal with. I I mentioned the first message that sometimes it seems impossible. Or sometimes we say it needs to be done. And then last week we learned that it comes with opposition. There are people that come and set their face against it in our lives. And so we found out that with God at the center of our it's, that we can accomplish things that are going to glorify him. And we're in our, the last part of the year, and every year we do a year-end campaign where we put our efforts together to accomplish the it's that are important to the church, and we've been able to do some amazing things with that. But have you noticed, this is the title of my sermon today, have you noticed that it can't be accomplished when your hands are tied? It can't be accomplished when your hands are tied. I believe that most people, if not all people, desire to be generous. But it's impossible to be generous when your hands are tied with debt. I mentioned last year that we'd revisit this subject every year, at every year end, and that we'd gauge where we are as a church and where we are as individuals or families on this subject. Many of us have had a battle with debt, and if you've ever had a battle with debt, you can say that it will hinder your desire to be generous. But the good news is that Jesus came to set us free from the bondage of sin, spiritually. But he also came to deliver us from anything that will keep us bound from bringing glory to his name. The Bible says that the borrower borrower is slave to the lender. And God doesn't want us to be enslaved to anything. And before I go into this message, I want to preface it with some transparency. Many of you know this. I've communicate this uh, different times throughout uh, the year, and uh, especially when it comes to finances. When I took over when I became the lead pastor, the baton was passed to me, there were two missiles that were sledged, or they were aimed at my life one missile impacted my family it wasn't just at it wasn't at me it was at a family member but that missile was actually it was it was sent by the enemy to destroy our family went through a lot of challenges but through the glory of god god is on the throne and he's working in that relate in that thing the second missile hit our finances Right into the first part of of the ministry, I was hit with a financial crisis, and Shauna and I had to face it. So I, I faced it by saying, I need to have a meeting with the elders. I want to talk to the elders. And I came to the elders, and I told them exactly, honestly, and clearly what I was facing. And what I said to them was, I never, ever want to hinder the work of God through whatever I've done. I want to be honest about this. And when I said that to the elders, they said, we will help. There were three of them that said, we have the money to, you don't have to worry about it. I said, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here for you to give me money. I'm here to tell you what I'm dealing with, and I'm going to face it. Now, in that, they said, we're behind you, pastor. And so we went on a road, Shauna and I, and it became church wide as the Lord began to direct us into how to overcome This shackle that had placed itself on myself and my family. And it also had placed itself on our church. When we first took over, not because of anybody, but uh, we brought our administrator, Janet Walker, into into the church and and, and put the accounting team together. And at that time, we had credit card debt. We had uh, about... 12 or 13,000 with two cards that's 26,000 you put the interest on that that's a lot of debt and that had a stranglehold on us and so what we did is we began to take steps we we called people that can help and there's a man by the name of Dave Ramsey so I had a meeting with Dave Ramsey not directly but through the videos and we began to take steps to help us. And don't let me forget to let you know what the outcome has been since that time. Because it's very important. You see, always remember that God, that, that debt is never God's idea. God will never lead us into debt which prohibits us from being generous. The reason for this is because God is a generous God. And as we looked at Nehemiah, he teaches us that we have to confront debt. We can't run away from debt. We can't hide. We can't try to sweep it under a rug. We have to confront the debt that's in our life. It's amazing when you look at this book because there's Twelve chapters, as you go through Nehemiah, and right smack in the middle, he talks to nobles and those that are wealthy. And he says, why are you putting this debt upon the people? Why are you shackling them? Why are you oppressing them? Because how many of you know that debt oppresses and shackles people? But there's three essentials that'll loose our hands to be generous for the it in your life for the it that is important to God. It deserves our investment. It will honor God and it will honor others. Let me pray as I go into that first essential. Father, thank you for every person here. More than that, Lord God, as always, we thank you that you're here. I pray for wisdom, clarity. I pray that I will honor you in everything that is said, and at the end of this message, that every one of us will say that not only has it been good to be in God's house, but there's shackles that will come off for the people in God's house. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The first essential that we, we're going to see in the, in the book of Nehemiah, the first essential is you don't need more money, you need less debt. This is an ouch essential because the first thing that we say is we want more money. We, we need more money. We need the minimum wage raise, raise. and I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. We need, uh, we need a raise at work. Our unions need to fight for more money. We need more money, but the reality is that debt can keep us bound. This is how the chapter starts out. It says, about this time... Some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Others said, we have mortgaged our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get food during the famine. And others said, we had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. How many of you have felt when you're in debt that you, just, you, you probably need to sell your kids? <laughs> the problem with that is nobody wants to buy them. You say, I want to sell my kids, and they'll say, no, you need to pay me. I see how much he eats. I see how much makeup she wears. I see this. It's going to cost us money. So how many of us thought that's exactly what was going on right here? They said, we need to sell our children into slavery just to get enough money to live. We've already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it, for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. The first response for everybody is, if I have more money, I can do it. If I have more money, I can do it. If give me more money when and when I have more money, I'll be okay. But here's a Mexican proverb that I made up. <laughs> if you live below your means, you will ha- always have more rice and beans. <laughs> and what else do you need? What else do you need? I always tell people, I love you more than beans and rice because beans and rice are wonderful. If you live below your means, you will always have more rice and beans. Here's the secret of success, and don't ever forget this. This is the secret of success. The Bible teaches us what it is. It says, I have learned to be content." The secret of success is not having more stuff, more cars, more toys, more houses. The secret of success is never about that. The secret is to learn to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live in, on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it was with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me? The context, and there is, context there is not. I can do all things. I can climb Mount Everest. I can, I can uh, 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 go through this wilderness. I can do this. It, that's not the context. The context, I can do all things. I can be content in whatever situation I face. But what I've noticed is that the more money people have, the more toys we buy, and if they don't have the money to buy toys, they charge it. They charge it. Black Friday is coming up. Why is it called Black Friday? Why isn't it called Bright Friday? Can I tell you why? Because when you wake up on Saturday, you feel like if you've been punched in the face and you got a black eye because you spent so much money. And usually, it's not that you've spent it, it's that you charged it. Because when you spend with a debit card, it's different than spending with a credit card. When you spend with a debit card, it comes out of your account now. And you get a, if you have a bank app, it comes into your... Dude, oh my goodness, my bank account went down. If you charge it, You don't see it until the bill comes in. We don't need more money. We need less debt. Every year, we should make an honest evaluation of our finances. Every year, we should look at our statements. If you're married, you should come together as husband and wife. There should never be anything hidden. We should be honest about everything. You begin to gauge if your hands are tied with debt, which will disable your ability to be generous to the things that God has before us, or have they been loosed from the bondage of debt so that you can be more generous? Can I tell you that every investment that you make into the kingdom of God is an eternal investment Everything that you buy on this earth, every, think about it. Black Friday, can I tell you what's, what's, on, what's really hot right now will not be hot next year. And what I've noticed that at every funeral, nobody takes anything with them. We will take nothing with us when we die. How do I know that? Because I do a lot of funerals. People take nothing. The only thing that we will take are the people that we bring to Jesus Christ. It's an eternal investment that we make. Have you ever thought about it that um, not only is the the devil the enemy of our souls, but the devil is the enemy of our pocketbooks? How do I know this? Has anyone ever lied about a charge to your spouse? Don't raise your hands, please. Has anyone... Uh, and, and this service doesn't lie. This service doesn't lie. You just manipulate the truth. But have you ever hit... Anyone in here ever hidden... Have you ever hidden a bank statement? No, not, not us. No one's there. Can I tell you, who would ever lead you to be dishonest about your finances? God or Jesus? Here's the second essential. Don't get angry with those around you. Get angry with debt. Have you ever noticed that finances, or better yet, the lack of it, makes people fight? I bet there's someone in here that you, you might have fought during the week because of personal finances. You might have fought on the way to church because of finances. We don't have the money to do that. We don't have the, we don't have the money to do Yeah, we do. We're going to be okay. We don't have the money. How do I know that? I just counseled with someone. someone. A couple just drove from Mesa to come meet with me because their marriage is in shambles. And one of the biggest things that they were facing was financials. Financial struggles. Financial uh, uh, dishonesty. And we pointed them where? To the word. And when they left, they were better. And the first thing that came was honesty. Nehemiah faced the same things. Look at what... I'm going to go on reading in that chapter. Chapter 5, verse 6. When I heard their complaints, I was what? I was... I was very angry. After after thinking, thinking it over, I spoke out against the nobles and officials. I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when they borrow money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. Then I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of our God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself as well as my brothers and my workers have been lending the the people money and grain. But now let us stop. This business of charging interest. You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. Now, let's look at the context. Nehemiah is talking to lenders who were wealthy Jews, and he's scolding them for charging them outrageous interest to the regular people. Why? It's simple, because it was shackling their hands from being able to live and also to be generous. They were full of stress. They were contemplating selling their families, their kids. Now, let me tell you something. We're here in the church. I can't call the lenders. I can't call your credit card companies and say, I cannot believe that you're charging 18% interest. Because they'll say, we don't care what you think. But we can, as the body of Christ, we can say, let's not get under that yoke of bondage. We can do something about it. Pastor, what do I do? What, what's one thing that I can do? I can give you one thing that'll work right away. You get your credit card and you do what? You cut it. And when you cut that credit card, it's going to hurt it more than it's going to hurt you. Because if, if it prohibits you from using it, and if you don't use it, you won't be stressed out when the bill comes in. And if you're not stressed, maybe you can take your honey out for dinner and pay cash. And when you take your honey out for dinner afterwards, well, that's between you guys. But it'll probably be good. You can host or you can attend a financial small group. You can learn the habits of managing your money instead of allowing your lack of money to manage you, because let me tell you, that's exactly what happens when you have the lack of money. It will manage you with stress, with fighting, with all kinds of blaming. Generous people are happy people. They're joyful people. When you're stressed with finances, you're so unhappy. Anytime someone asks for for an offering or you want to be a blessing in the kingdom, you get mad instead of being joyful for the glory of God. Can I tell you that lenders... They don't care about your stress level. They don't care about your marriage. When those bill collectors call, anyone ever had a bill collector call? They don't say, how's your marriage doing? I, I don't, I don't want to drive a wedge between you and your wife. No, they say, we need the money and we need it now. They don't care about your marriage. They don't care about your sanity. They just care about the sale. I haven't bought a car since 2005. and but, That's just a testimony of good mechanics. But what I noticed when I bought a brand new car, what I noticed is that car salesman will usually tell you anything that you want to hear to make a sale. There are a lot of born-again Christian salesmen when they're selling you a car. And so the reality is, and we don't know their lives, but here's the thing is that anytime we look at debt, a new car is only new when you drive it off a lot. A month later, it's not new anymore. Six months later, you're saying, why in the world did I buy it? A year later, you're saying, how do I get out of it? Because I want that new car. I want that new phone. I want this new thing. Here's the thing. Here's the third essential. It's very important. When we're debt free, it unleashes us into a generous lifestyle. Look at, look at the transitions of Nehemiah. This is the Word of God. Amen? The first thing is that. Is that we want more, 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 more because we got to sell everything, and we're just getting more into debt, right? Selling to my kids—it's never a good idea to sell your kids. Never a good idea. I know you're, you've thought about it. Never a good idea. The second thing is never good to get mad at people when it's debt that we should be mad at. Nehemiah teaches us that, right? But the third thing is that when you when you become debt free, it breaks those those bondages it breaks the shackles so that you can be generous for the glory of God look at what Nehemiah says for the entire 12 years that I was the governor of Judah from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the reign of King Artaxerxes neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance the money that I could have I I gave that up The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine besides 40 pieces of silver. Even their assistants took advantage of the people. Now, now underline this in your Bible. Underline it in your outline. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. But because I feared God, I did not put bondage on people. But because I feared God, I was generous to people. I also devoted myself to working on the walls and refused to acquire any land, and I required all my servants to spend, spend time working on the wall. I asked for nothing, even though I regularly fed a 100- hundred... Jewish officials at my table besides all the visitors from other lands. What does that talk to, to us about? It talks to us about generosity. I didn't, I didn't take this. I didn't put a bondage on people. But what I did is I was generous. I fed 150 people. The provisions I paid for each day included one ox, six sheep or goats, a large number of poultry, and every 10 days, we needed a large supply of all kinds of wine. Yet I refuse to claim the governor's food allowance because the people already carried a heavy burden. Look at that. I'm not going to put a burden on the people. I'm going to take it off. I am going to be generous. And then look how it ends. I love it. And he says, he, he goes and he talks to God. He says, remember, oh my God, all that I have done for all these people and bless me for it. When we dug a water well in Central America and we sent a thousand dollars about four years ago, we blessed a whole community that were able to drink from that fountain. When we've taken medical clinics into Guatemala, we bless those people from our own expense. When we go to Puerto uh, Penasco, when we go to Rocky Point, when Cliff, our, our elder, cried in our elders meeting this past week because of how joyful the directors of that ministry were when they built a bedroom and a closet and a bathroom for them that they cried and they cried and all Cliff could do was cry and tell us how good God is. It's a blessing to give. When we go to the Copper Corridor, we're going at our own expense to make a. Impact for the glory of God. And the God that we serve is going to do great things. Not only at this campus, but at that campus. And any place he sends us. Because he's a generous God. I have no doubt that God will supply all that we need for his glory. He's continually giving. Every good thing on earth belongs to God. Those last words that Nehemiah spoke, they need to teach us. Remember, oh my God, remember. Does, does, does God forget? No. But somehow Nehemiah, somehow in his prayer, he says, Lord, Remember. Oh, and he says, oh, my God. I know you're everybody's God, but you're my God. Oh, my God, remember what I've done for these people. See, here's the thing. We don't got to tell everybody else what we're doing, but we can say, God, remember what I'm doing for people. And he says, bless me for it. And can I tell you that the God that we serve is a God of blessing. He's not a God of curses. So, pastor, what are my action steps? What do I do? Here's what we do, be honest when evaluating your spending. Be honest, don't be in the dark, quit lying, write things down, evaluate it, embrace accountability. Get rid of secrets with your finances. Don't hide things from your loved ones. Don't hide things from your wife. Can I tell you, don't hide things from your kids. Teach them what it is to work and make money. Teach them what it is to spend money. Teach them that you're not a a dad, not an ATM machine. Spitting 20s out. Teach them how important that is. When, When I went through that financial difficulty, Sean and I, seven years ago or eight years ago, First thing I did, first thing as I went to people that I trust, a couple that I trust, I spoke in, to that individual. I said, I need for you to keep me accountable because we're going to get out of this mess through the glory of God. Second thing, I went to the elders. I said, elders, I want to talk to you. And I spilt it out. They, thought, they, they told me this. We thought it was worse. We thought you were leaving. We thought, you got someone, we thought someone actually called you and wanted you to bring you to another place to pastor. We can deal with this. You have to get accountability. You have to, you have to be honest. You have to bring things into the light. The third thing, you join or you host a small group that is geared to help you with personal finances. We have a small group called Balance. You go through six weeks of it. We did it twice. We've gone through Dave Ramsey. We, Dave Ramsey has been a great friend of mine. In April... Actually, March will be the last month for Shauna and I. But in April, we will walk into a month where we will have no debt except for our mortgage. No debt. And you know what I've learned in all these years? It's okay to drive a 2005 Toyota Corolla. That it's okay to to drive a, uh, a 2005 Kia Sedona. And that debt is my enemy, not my friend. That God loves me more than, more than the bills do. But here's what we did as a church. Here's what we did as a church. So we started taking steps. We went, went through Dave Ramsey as a church. And Janet had an idea. Janet said, let's start to pay on the principle of our... The only debt that we have is a building. Our, our, our property is paid for. All the seven acres we have is paid for. Every credit card, those 26000 plus interest, we paid it off. And we did this to our cards. And then we began to move on this debt, and show the show the, the numbers, Christy, please. So we started November 2012, and we had 130,000. We had an 11-year loan, which is 100, 132 payments at just under 1,300 a month. Then we moved into 2000, December 2012. It was at 128K. Then we went into December 2013. We were at 112K. December 2014, we went down to 99. 500 and change. December 2015 we knocked it down to 73,262. Hold on, go back. I'm not that fast. <laughs> December 2016 we knocked it down to 59,000. We're under right now 60 grand. Go ahead now. Our regular payments were 1300. This is what they are a month. We added $50 a week. 2600 dollars a year directly to the principal then at the year end every year end campaign we put 4000 or 5000 directly to the principal help me okay we have added a minimum of five extra payments a year. Each year, we pay about fifteen thousand five hundred for the loan. We are under the halfway mark on our loan. We will, will be paid off inside of three years if we stay at this pace. We took an eleven-year loan down to seven years. By paying, yeah, you, yeah, applaud God. <laughs> applaud here now. Think about it. What if we did this as individuals? What if we did this in their family? What if you began to knock down the principle of your loans and then you don't add more debt? It's Christmas time. Black Friday. My kids want, they want, they want. You know what I tell people whenever they're going to buy a brand new car? Don't do it. Don't do it. Because that brand new car only stays brand new until you take it home. And debt will kill you. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's a year-end campaign, and we all come together, and we give, and I have no doubt that God's going to provide. I don't have any doubt. There's, there never has to be manipulation. God has over and over and over and over showed us. We, there was a missionary that came a month ago, beloved, two months ago, and gave us $28,000. There's a person, that, a, a, a person that was in the church that, that was led in the church, and he, and he passed away a couple months ago. I just got a letter the other day that from, the, from before he died, he put in his will, give this much to Living Word Chapel. Can I tell you that God will provide? It's not like he's trying to take your money. He's giving you an opportunity to be generous. Can I tell you that Walmart wants your money? Target wants your money? Or some of you tar Everybody wants your money. God doesn't want your money. God wants you to be like him. He wants you to be generous for the glory of God. You serve a good God. You serve a good God. The devil is a bondage man, right? Father we thank you we thank you for this time I thank you for every person here and in the name of Jesus I pray your blessing upon every step we take and every move we make as your people Lord forgive me for the mistakes that I've made and every one of us makes mistakes we're we're fallible we're not perfect Lord you're perfect so we bring our decisions to you. Every one of us today, I pray for every person here that this will be a day of change, that this will be a day where they grab a hold of the principles of God, and that every person will begin to be, take those shackles off through the power of Jesus so that they can be generous for the glory of Jesus Christ. We pray this in your name. Amen and amen.